0: The AMA Moving Medicine Podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're going to talk about balancing work and family life as a physician. It's a tall order. Our guest today is Dr. Jill Jin, an internist at Northwestern Medicine and clinical assistant professor at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine here in Chicago. And she is going to share some of her experience and tips. Dr. Jin's is also a panelist on an upcoming AMA webinar on this very topic next Tuesday, June 21st called, Parenting as a Physician, It Takes a Lot of Patience." There we go. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer here in Chicago, too. Dr. Jin, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, the Thank longtime you. problem of physician burnout has got to be at an all time high right now, uh, coming out of two and a half years of this pandemic. Uh, for many physicians, not only do they have additional stressors at, uh, at hospitals or offices, but also at their home as well. Tell me a little bit about Uh, pandemic life for you and your family?
1: Well, I would say the biggest challenge by far was at the beginning, the first few weeks of the pandemic when everything suddenly shut down, uh, daycares closed. Both of our both of my kids have been in full-time daycare since they were six months old. And that was a constant up until the beginning of the pandemic. And both my husband and I are physicians, so at that time, you know, he was still going into the hospital every day. I transitioned over to telehealth pretty quickly at the beginning since I see um, patients on outpatient, uh, in outpatient setting, but we were busy. It was crazier than ever before, and our kids were home. We had no help. It was nuts at the beginning. And I would say at the, the beginning, that's what separated us, I think, um, as a two physician family from other families. Um with people with parents who are not in healthcare, because at the beginning I think things slowed down for them and they were able to take some time off. Kind of people were still figuring out how to do work from home. And they had a little bit more time and a little bit more um flexibility and schedule. So for pandemic life as a physician, I th- I would say the it was not the lack of flexibility and the the Busyness and the volume and the that was all um, the biggest challenge for us, which has since in the past few years, of course, gotten much better, um, and especially as schools and daycares reopened and um, telehealth became more of a uh, of a um, telehealth became more standard and the workflows became um, more set. So, there's
0: a lot to yeah. learn in two years. Um, it's
1: been a lot.
0: Yeah. And I think in particularly in your case, uh, you know, two physician family, uh, that's uh, double the problem there. But uh, especially when one of those uh, folks is working uh, in a hospital or healthcare setting, you know, you had to worry about that issue of potentially exposing your families to COVID uh, upon return. And uh, even now, while we hope it changes soon, you know, you still have uh, one of your children is too young to be eligible for a COVID vaccine. Talk a little bit about how you navigated your concerns kind of early in this process. And, you know, and now, how are you dealing with the risks associated with doing your job?
1: Yeah, a great question. So early in the pandemic, it, I feel like it's hard to remember now, but it was so different because the ORIGINAL VERSIONS OF of, um, COVID WERE NOT AFFECTING KIDS AS MUCH. SO IF YOU RECALL AT THE BEGINNING, KIDS WERE REALLY NOT BEING INFECTED. AND THE ONES WHO WERE, WERE BY AND LARGE ASYMPTOMATIC. AND I THINK AT THAT TIME WHEN WE DID NOT KNOW VERY MUCH ABOUT COVID AT ALL, THAT WAS THE ONLY THING THAT WAS KEEPING um, MY SANITY IN CHECK, IS JUST KNOWING THAT ALL THE DATA AND THE FACTS AT THE BEGINNING WERE SHOWING THAT KIDS WERE NOT REALLY GETTING IT. Um, IT WASN'T REALLY UNTIL DELTA um, CAME ALONG THAT, YOU KNOW, KIDS STARTED BECOMING INFECTED MORE FREQUENTLY AND, OF COURSE, WITH OMICRON AND BA2 AND ALL THOSE subvariants, KIDS ARE GETTING IT A LOT, BUT BY AND LARGE, THEY ARE STILL GETTING VERY um, MILD DISEASE AND THE RISK OF HOSPITALIZATION AND DEATH, OF COURSE, VERY, VERY LOW. SO I THINK THAT HAS BEEN, FOR ME, uh, just knowing that um, the statistics of that has has really kept me grounded and as we have progressed in the course of the pandemic of course we um, the risks of exposure and now we know more about how you know exposure and transmission works and I feel like we I personally have become a little bit desensitized to the fear itself of exposure just by being at work and seeing so many patients so that has also somewhat been helpful through the course of this and helping me as, as kids became more infected. Um, we are also learning more and we're also getting more, but we're getting better at, Mm -hmm. um, at dealing with exposures. So that timeline has worked out well for me. So in terms of vaccination, so my son who's six is vaccinated and my daughter who's four is not. And, what that while that was very that was exciting for him to get the vaccine and it was it was great and um we were all very supportive of that that actually hasn't really changed how i treat them um uh, on a day-to-day basis so they both still go to school they we both they both do the same activities for the most part i haven't used that as a huge differentiating factor um just because of our personal situation you know everyone's personal calculus is different based on um, whether they have immunocompromised people in their families or you know certain personal situations um, which we do not but i think the biggest challenge with the under fives and the those that group that can't get vaccinated is just the logistical nightmare of what happens when there is an exposure mm-hmm. at preschool or at daycare or at school Um, just because the guidelines um, in Illinois and it may differ by state but in Illinois you know those who are not vaccinated and have an exposure that counts as a close contact those who are vaccinated and have an exposure it does not count as a close contact and the paths really diverge of how to handle those so you know just with my daughter every time there's an exposure which is pretty much every week from, I would say December until now, there's been a case at her school. Um, you know, they have to do test to stay, which is every other day testing. If they can't do test to stay, she has to stay home and quarantine. There's just a whole bunch of stuff and logistical um, mental um, burden that comes with that that I don't face with my son, so. Medicine doesn't stand still, and neither do we. AMA members don't just keep up with medicine, they shape its future. Help move medicine. Join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org movingmedicine. Currently, that's the biggest difference, and so I certainly do hope the vaccine is approved very soon for um, those under fives. Um, but I would say, I guess, in terms of the fear of severe illness, or complications. It's um, thankfully, for our personal family situation, not um, a huge concern.
0: Uh, I'm sure your your comments are resonating with uh, all those folks out there that have uh, young kids, uh, and and dealing with what you and your your spouse are. Uh, obviously, beyond the children part of this, um, what are your secrets to have uh, made it through uh, this uh, this big period of time? uh, being a good partner, uh, to your, to your husband and kind of juggling that with being a good physician.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, I have no secrets. It's hard. It is very hard. And especially with both of us being physicians and having little flexibility, it's, it's, it's all about the give and take and a balance and recognizing that some weeks you're going to be doing most of everything. And then other weeks it'll swap and, it just is a it's a moving target and you just got to be okay with that i think
0: Um, obviously we're not out of the woods yet here and we continue to have uh, uh, levels of of covid that are not normal but uh, some sense of normalcy uh, uh, back at it i guess we'll call it the regular old balancing the demands of your job and home life Uh, hopefully we'll just aspire to that part but did the pandemic itself, you know, teach you any lessons that have uh, now come through into this kind of new period about the way that you approach work-life balance?
1: I think it's taught me to advocate for myself and my family and my home life more. I think that um, it's you know we, it's taught me that I really have to prioritize it and make it. Um, MAKE SOMETIMES, it, YOU KNOW, my, MY KIDS AND MY FAMILY HAVE TO BE THE PRIORITY. AND BEFORE, WHEREAS I THINK MANY PHYSICIANS ARE TRAINED NOT TO SPEAK UP ABOUT that, THAT KIND OF STUFF OR JUST KIND OF PUT YOUR HEAD DOWN AND WORK HARDER OR GRIN AND BEAR, I THINK THAT THE PANDEMIC REALLY TAUGHT ME PERSONALLY TO PUT A PAUSE ON SOME OF THAT WORK ETHIC THAT'S SO um, DRILLED INTO US AND ADVOCATE FOR THE FAMILY. And was that
0: WAS THAT HARD? That,
1: for you? Yes. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> it, it, it certainly was. And I, um, I, yeah, I, I think that it, for everyone, it would just not and not be all the uncertainty of everything. And it, it goes against so much, you know, we're always trying to help others, help our patients. And it's really hard to not put that first sometimes. But it's also you can't be a good doctor if you're not taking care of yourself and your family first. You can't treat others. Do
0: you think you know, this notion of work-life balance, you, know, you see it over the over time kind of go back and forth. I, I hear a lot of people saying it's a fallacy. Um, mm. You know, where do you come out on what that means to you and your family?
1: I think it's not impossible, but it's not it's something where, as I said before, it's such a moving target where as soon as you reach what you think is a balance for one day it's going to change the next day just based on where your family life is at how old your kids are how busy you are at work what projects you have it's so it's so fluid that i think it's impossible to realize that you have it almost while you're in it but i think that i think it is possible to be fulfilled in both if you realize that it's kind of always going to be shifting and if you embrace that uncertainty to a certain a certain extent, I think that you can at least there will be days where you can find fulfillment in both work and life.
0: And so life. maybe not all at the same time. <laughs> right. is the issue. Yeah, um, but being okay um, with that. Yeah. <laughs> so this this issue of physician burnout, obviously, something the AMA is deeply in, involved uh, in addressing. And through the research that we know, you know, about eighty percent of. Uh, burnout stems from system-level issues. It's not a personal uh, resilience issue. And we've talked a lot about the personal challenges that you face, but let's talk a little bit about how do you see uh, employers being, uh, you know, better able to support physician efforts to get to that balance that makes sense and, and decrease burnout?
1: Yeah, I think that... The biggest thing that employers and organizations can do is to offer flexibility in schedules and control over their own schedules for physicians. Because, yeah, with as, as parents, especially as parents of young children, you just never know when you're going to be called off early. You're going to pick your kid up from school or something's going to come up. And just having control over your own schedule or the ability to, you know, switch to telehealth if needed or to work early and work early on some days and make it up later another day. I think having, giving physicians um, the ability to control their own schedules and having faith that they're not, that they're going to be working and put it, you know, they're, they're not micromanaging and just giving Um, giving them the benefit of the doubt, giving them the trust and the faith, I think that's something that is key in preventing burnout Um, that and this is a kind of a small point, but not doing things like scheduling meetings during school drop off hours um, that, you know, that are for that that are for the whole group. And if you don't go, then you, you know, you feel like you're kind of missing out. And so things like that. can also help.
0: It is a certain uh, level of fluidity between uh, uh, work and life and I think does uh, make make things go a little bit more more smoothly. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, what you and the panelists have to say at this upcoming webinar next Tuesday, June 21st that I mentioned before. Parenting as a physician, it takes a lot of patience. I know that's true. Uh, you and uh, uh, several other physician parents um, we're going to be talking in depth about many of the issues that we just touched on very briefly today. I'm curious why why was it so important for you to participate in this particular webinar?
1: Just to help others speak up and break the silence, and as we just we talked I talked about before, it just it's so hard to find your voice sometimes to advocate for yourself and for other parents. And it's just um, I just wanted to, how people do that. Sometimes it's, um, it just requires finding that inspiration and in, in others who've done the same.
0: Well, Dr. Jinn, thank you so much for being here today. Again, mm-hmm. we'll look forward to uh, the webinar on Tuesday, June 21st. It's at noon central time. Uh, again, parenting as a physician, it takes a lot of patience. and you can find the registration link uh, at the bottom of this particular episode, episode and more information on the AMA's website. Uh, That's it for today's Moving Medicine video and podcast. We'll be back soon with another, but don't miss uh, any episode. You can check out all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.